Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, welcome to Bonneville Salt Flats in an unbelievable part of our country, 320 miles long, 130 miles wide. The crest of salt at the thickest part is five feet deep, which is unbelievable. They estimate that there are 470,000 tons of salt right here in the salt flats. And even more incredible, 90% of it is common table salt. So I thought today I'd kind of put that to the test. I brought my fries. Let's see how good this salt is. Yep, that's pretty salty. But I'm gonna tell you what the salt flats are known most for is they're known for speed. Right here in 1970, the blue flame set the world record for going 622 miles an hour. It wasn't topped until 1997 when Andy Green, just a little farther down the road here in Nevada, went 763 miles an hour. But next week is my favorite week here on the flats. It's motorcycle week. The fastest recorded record for a motorcycle is 354 miles an hour. For a street legal bike, it's 209 miles an hour. Now I've been 115 with Tammy on the back, scared to death it was fast enough for me. The whole time she's yelling, faster, faster, and I'm trying not to cry. I mean, that's our relationship in a nutshell. But today we wanna to talk a little bit about something else. We came here to the Salt Flats to talk about one of the challenges, as you can see out here, we're just a mile off the road and we're all alone. Isolation. Today we wanna to talk a little bit about the vulnerability of being isolated. So how did these Salt Flats ever get here? Well, you know, many, many years ago, a lot of Utah was covered by an enormous lake. It was a glacier that came and it was that glacier water melt that created this. And what's unique here about the salt flats is there was nowhere for that water to go. There was no outlet. So it sat here year after year in this kind of blazing heat. And over time, it begins to evaporate. And what's left here is the remnants of what we see, the remnants of salt. You know, somewhere there's a great sermon illustration in this. You know, the reality, it's true in our lives. If there's not an outlet, if there's not a place in our lives where we can have grace and love flow in and flow out, if there's places in our emotional lives, our spiritual lives that become stagnant and dammed up, if it sits over time, what's gonna happen? We're, we're gonna dry up. We're gonna become barren. Difficult place for anything to grow and a difficult place to live. So that's what we wanna talk about a little bit today, of how this danger and the vulnerability of isolation, especially in a place like this. Isolation, it's a wilderness in and of itself. You know, we just walked a few miles off the main road and, and look, all alone isolation that's here. You know, last week I shared the story about Aaron and uh, his experience in the wilderness. It, it escalated from something that was just a normal hike to something that really became life or death. And what was the variable? The variable is that he was all alone. He was fine until he was no longer fine. For some of you, that's your story, right? I was good until I was no longer good. And so here's the moment when you realize that I'm not in a good place. I've wandered into this kind of wilderness emotionally, spiritually, socially. The question is, who is there for you? Who's there to support you? Who's there to help pick you up and give you hope? That's the value of, again, community and relationship. Vulnerability comes when we are in isolation. You know, as a pastor, I've seen this over and over in my 30 years of ministry. You come to this moment of decision when either temptation has come in your life, a difficulty has come in your life, any kind of struggle, and you're left with one or two choices. Either you're gonna lean into the relationship and the community that you have with other people for hope and support, or in those moments of wilderness, you're gonna pull away. 
You're going to isolate. You're going to get to move away from all those kind of relationships. And here's the problem with isolation. You're only left with your own thoughts. And we all know the danger of that because wrong thinking leads to wrong actions. <laughs> and wrong actions brings along shame. And shame tends to move us and push us more to isolation. And before we know it, we're in bigger trouble than we really realized. Today again, vulnerability that comes in isolation. So today, I want to give you some hope. I want to give you some tools and some encouragement about how you overcome not only temptations, but wilderness experiences in your life. Today, I want to point you to Jesus. Because Jesus experienced temptation in an environment just like this, isolated and all alone. And he gives us some tools to overcome the things that seem to beat us down over and over. You know, that's what the Apostle Paul was telling us in the book of Hebrews. He says, listen, when you face temptations, look to Jesus and his example about how to overcome. So let's look at what Paul says to us out of the book of Hebrews, how we can learn from the example of Jesus on how we overcome temptation. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, and it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside, I love this, every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, I love that, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I love that part of not growing weary of doing good. Jesus' example about how we endure in the midst of the wilderness. Now today, hey, before we leave these salt flats, can I share with you two wilderness experiences that I found true in, in my life? And the first one is simply this. Wilderness experiences many times follow mountaintop experiences. That's what Jesus is experiencing in the context of our teaching today. We're in Luke chapter 4, but what comes before Luke chapter 4? Luke chapter 3. Let's look at the mountaintop experience that Jesus found himself. Luke 3, verse 22, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Now that's what I call a mountaintop experience. That God the Father looks down and says, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. The highest of highs, and yet in the very next chapter, we're going to find Jesus isolated and all alone being tempted by Satan. I don't know about you, but that's been my experience, that so many times you go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. You're in that relationship and you think it's the one, and then all of a sudden you find out they're not being honest with you, and boom, you're, you're in the wilderness of emotional discouragement and loneliness and all that comes with that. It doesn't seem that long ago your family was taking camping trips together and going to Disneyland, and now all of a sudden in their teen years, you have a wayward child and the highest of highs seems so quickly forgotten by the lowest of lows. You start that new business and COVID or hyperinflation hits in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. You know, the same kind of principle happens in our spiritual lives. We go away to a, a missions trip or a retreat or we have this amazing conference and then the very next day we come home, it feels like our world is falling apart. The utopia gives away to exhaustion. Faith all of a sudden gives away to doubt. You know, it's one of the reasons that church, when we get a chance to share Christ, and we lead somebody to Christ during one of our services, that we'd like to put in their hands right away that decision book. 
Why? It's just this tangible reminder that the decision that they made was genuine. We got the book of John that's in there. It gives them a chance to be reminded of the truth because this is what I know what's going to happen. You have this mountaintop experience. On Monday morning, the enemy creeps in and wants to put doubt. Did it really happen? Did you really mean it? What did you truly experience? You know, a couple weeks ago, I had the great privilege of praying with a young man who came down front and leading him to Christ. One of those great moments, those sacred moments that you just cherish so much. But in the prayer, one of the things I prayed for him was strength for that next week. Because the plans of the enemy haven't changed from the days of Jesus to the days of us, that following a mountaintop experience, he loves to give us the lows of lows. The second great principle that we find from the wilderness is one I mentioned earlier, and that's that isolation brings vulnerability. Luke chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, here's the amazing thing, he was not the only one baptized. In fact, he was the last one. There was this huge crowd of new believers who have placed their faith in Christ and now are baptized. Can you imagine that day on the banks? The joy, the excitement, the community, just the energy that was there. I mean, we have some amazing baptism mornings here at Lex City, but we've never baptized Jesus. I mean, this was a moment to behold. Community, relationships, understanding what it means to be in the family of God. It's interesting, Satan didn't tempt Jesus in that moment. He waits till chapter four, till Jesus is alone and isolated and vulnerable in the wilderness. So this study today is so significant because the patterns of temptation that Satan used against Jesus is the exact same patterns that he uses against me and he uses against you in our everyday life. So let's be like the author of Hebrews says and look to Jesus for our example. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Luke chapter four or go to lexcity.info as together we learn from the example of Jesus how we can get out of our wilderness. You know, never before have we been more connected and felt more isolated than we do in, in 2023. As technology grows, we are expecting more from it and less from one another in the relationship process as time goes. And if we're not careful, we get to these moments where we feel within our soul this loneliness and isolation. I've never been busy or I've never been surrounded by more people and yet felt more vulnerable and more all alone. And in those moments of isolation, common temptations tend to have a greater lure on our hearts than they would if we were not feeling solely isolated. If you don't believe this, just look at the, the post-pandemic uh, research that's here, right? During that time of lockdown, anxiety and depression were on the rise at record rates. Alcoholism, use of drugs was on an increase. Can, it's, can you remember back? Our stores and our churches were closed, but our liquor stores were still open. Isn't that crazy how all of that went? Uh, internet porn spiked during this time. You name the vice, and during that time, it all seemed to ramp up during isolation. Because isolation creates vulnerability. Every pastor around the country can tell you stories of folks who are in and connected and fully engaged in the church. All of the, the, the lockdowns happen post then. They've just been wandering. They haven't got reconnected. They've been struggling to find who they are. And for some, they've reverted back to old habits and old hangups and new hurts have arised over that time. I know friends that have been sober for years, and during that time of lockdown, now all of a sudden are rebattling and refighting some of the demons they had put to rest 
because common temptations have a greater lure when we're all alone. And you know, our enemy, Satan, understands this completely and the vulnerability that comes with that. Remember again, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against the spiritual things. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us this, that we are in a spiritual battle for your very soul. 1 Peter 5 says, be careful, watch out for the attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry and roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. That's the context of Luke chapter 4. Satan waits till Jesus is fatigued, all alone, in the wilderness at that moment before he comes with his temptation. That's what we're gonna look at today. So Luke chapter four, verse one says this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. Quick point. Who led Jesus into the wilderness? It was God. Because God uses the wilderness many times, not for our punishment, but for our preparation. God uses the wilderness to humble us, to test us, and to teach us. And today we wanna look at that center one, this idea of how God uses these moments for testing, and many times that testing comes through temptation. Those moments, right, when, you're, when your faith is being called into question, when, when your character is challenged, when the very grit of life is called into, uh, do you have enough to really make it? Will you stand strong? And in those temptations, here's what I want to remind you. That's kind of an encouraging news for us. These temptations that come against us today are the same temptations that have been brought into man from the beginning of time. Nothing has changed. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, I'm going to tell you, these are the three temptations from the beginning of time. 1 John 2, 16, for all that is in the world, here are the three, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world, right? Pride, lust, self-gratification. Most of the struggles you and I face in our lives probably come back to those three things, right? Pride, lust, self-gratification. And these are the three things that Jesus is gonna be tempted by Satan. Satan's gonna say, hey, I have you in this moment of vulnerability. So I'm gonna come at you with the three things that we've been coming at mankind from the beginning of time. Luke chapter four, let's look at those three. Verse three, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Desire of the flesh, right? He knows Jesus is hungry, 40 days without food, so he tempts Jesus. I'm gonna give you a shortcut. I know you're in this to grow in your faith and your heart for the Father, but I'm gonna give you a shortcut. I, I wanna make this real easy. Jesus, just give in to whatever feels good in this moment. Eat some bread, right? Let the things of this world satisfy you. Desires of the flesh, go on to verse five. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And he said to him, to you, I will give you all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. Desires of the eyes. Jesus, look out. You can have all this. You can avoid the cross. You can avoid all that. I'll give it all to you. What's shiny, what's bright, what's new, right? This is the eye candy of this world. I'll give it to you if you'll just take a shortcut. The desires of the eyes. And then the third one. 
Verse nine, he took him to Jerusalem and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. This is the pride of life. Jesus, you're so important that your angels will protect you at all costs. You are entitled to divine protection, right? This is the pride of life that's here. Three lies from the pit of hell. Pride of, the lie of lust, the lie of pride, and the lie of self-gratification. Now here's what I've learned through the years, and you've probably experienced the same thing. When we face these kind of temptations, it, it, we've got to do more than simply say, just stop doing that, right? We've got to replace it with something. We've got to replace the lie. We've got to replace the, the truth or the behavior with something. Otherwise, it's kind of like if you go to the doctor and you say, doctor, man, my arm hurts every time I do this. And a doctor says, well, just stop doing that. You're like, okay, that didn't, that didn't really help. Uh, you'd be looking for another doctor, right? This is the challenge. There is a void in our heart. There is a longing, a, a hole within our heart that we have filled with different behaviors and habits to try to fill that void, and when we take that thing out of the void of our heart, here's the key, if we don't replace it with something, there will always be something that comes right back and defaults into that hole to fill it. We place one dysfunctional behavior for another one, right? I feel anxious, I'm depressed about these things, and I know I've been drinking, and I've gotta stop drinking, so I'm no longer drinking, now I'm just smoking weed. We took one behavior, replaced it for another behavior, and we never dealt with a thing. It's not just about stopping negative behavior, right? It's replacing it with a positive behavior that makes a difference. And the same is true not just with our behavior, but the principle is really true with our thinking. We've got to replace a lie with a truth because here's the wonderful news for you today. The truth is the beginning of our freedom. For some of you, don't miss that. The wilderness thing you're dealing with today, the truth is the beginning of your freedom. Last hour, you gotta pray, talk with a young man. He's like, Pastor, he says, I, I just decided that this weekend, I, I, I'm gonna just try to be sober. And so I tried to be sober this weekend, and then I felt like I needed to come to church, so I came to church, and then you talked about, you know, being sober and not smoking weed. He's like, this moment was for me. But listen, he had a moment to say, I've gotta replace this lie that I've just been trying to cope with my own loneliness through these things, and I've gotta to try to find some truth. So he came, what a blessing that's there, why? Because the truth is the beginning of our freedom. So today, I wanna to help you with that a little bit. And I wanna give you three lessons that Jesus models for us so clearly about how we replace the lie with the truth out of Luke chapter four. So let me give you these three, three today, right? How do I replace a lie with the truth? Number one. Identify the root of the lie. This is probably the hardest thing to do. <laughs> this is the one that takes all the work. And if we're really honest, this is the one we tend to skip and go on to all the others. But here's what I've learned. If we fail to identify the root of the lie, it's simply gonna manifest itself in another way over time. If you can't figure out what it is that's driving and creating that within you, you're gonna try, you're just gonna try this and try that and there'll be a different symptom and a different thing that comes back. Jesus, in this moment of temptation, identifies really clearly what the root is of the lie that's coming against him. 
Look at chapter four, verse one again. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. And here's what he says, being tempted by the devil. Jesus acknowledges what? The root of what this temptation is coming. This is coming from Satan himself. So now that I know the enemy, we'll see his plan towards that. But listen, can you identify in your own life, what is the root, this is the hard work, of the lie that you find yourself telling yourself over and over. David, back in, in the book of Psalms, has one of these moments with God. He says, this is how you do it. So profound, simple, but profound. Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. Simply has this prayer to the Lord. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is this hard work with you and God. And David has one of these moments where he just opens his life in vulnerability and says, God, just show me. Search me. Are there lies I'm telling myself? Help me to understand why I'm telling, right, in these moments. And you can do this with God. If you do this, can I encourage you, just grab a little notepad. If you're not a journaler, just try this. Grab a little notepad, and when you have these moments of God, write down whatever God brings to your mind in those moments. Don't filter it. Don't justify your thoughts. Just write them down raw. This is how it is. Once you write these things down, just take a moment and see. Are there any obvious themes? Are there some consistent things, right? I'm writing these down. Here's what I'm finding. I'm struggling with self-confidence, right? Valuing myself. I never feel like I'm enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not accomplishing enough, right? I keep posting things, hoping people will respond to them. If I'm honest, the root of it is I'm posting things wanting to be validated, and if I don't get enough validation and if I don't get it from the right people, then I'm back in a spiral of depression, right? So what's, what's the lie to that kind of thinking? Here's the root, right? I, I, I'm not good enough. That's what ultimately you're feeling. I either think in these moments either too little of myself or if we're really honest, I think too much of myself. The lie is my validation, my value comes from the validation of people. If you wanna go deeper, <laughs> ask yourself some of these tougher questions. Who told me that message? When did, when did I start believing that I wasn't good enough? Right, God keeps showing me, what is the root of here? When did I hear these? Why did it take route? To kind of help you on this, I mentioned as a church, we want to journey with you, but you got to do the work in this wilderness thing. This is, this is you and God kind of work. So in your lexcity.info, on the notes there, I've got a little link to a PDF that just kind of maybe gets you started. List 12 lies of the world. 12 lies here and 12 truths of God's word, ways that you can come about that. But just to kind of do that work, I encourage you. So number one is identify the root of the lie, right? Number two, search God's word for his truth. What I love about Luke chapter four, Jesus responds to every lie of Satan with the truth of God's word. He says, this is what I know to be true. Verse four, and Jesus answered him, is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Temptation number two, verse eight, and Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall not worship that you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Third temptation, verse 12. And Jesus answered him and said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What I love about God's word, right? It spoke truth into every single lie that the enemy brought against him. So we determine, right? Are you determined in your own heart? What's the message you're gonna tell yourself? Are you gonna believe the truth of God's word or are you gonna believe your feelings? Because <laughs> sometimes those are on two different spectrums as we go. Third, third key, all right? 
So identify the root. Search God's words for the truth. Number three, simply pull out the lie and replace it with the truth, right? There's something within your heart. There's this lie that you, listen, you gotta take that out. Can't just leave it void. Then you gotta replace it with the truth of God's word. Simple question. I no longer believe that lie. I believe God's truth, which is blank. What is that for you? All right, I'm calling it out. I no longer believe this, but I believe what God's truth is. Here's for me. Any of my fellow people pleasers out there, uh, can you relate to this one? So here's the lie. That everybody has to like me. Uh, everybody has to agree with my opinions and my leadership. And if they don't, then there's something dramatically wrong with me and I'm not good enough and all these kind of things roll in. And here's the problem with the ugliness of that lie in leadership. When you begin to feel that way, now I have this heart's desire like, oh, I've got to... I've got to defend myself, I've got to project, I've got to let everybody know everything because if you knew everything, then you, you know what I mean? Then you could validate me once again. That's the ugliness of what it is. That's a lie from the pit. Let me tell you the truth that I've got to pull out all the time and replace it with. God's truth, Deuteronomy 32, four. The Lord is your mighty defender, perfect and just in all of his ways. Your God is faithful and true. He does what is right and what is fair. You know the truth? God knows all. God sees all. And God will defend all things in his time. Brian, shut your yapper and just trust the heart of God. That's a hard truth, but that's the one I've got to do, right? I've got to replace my insecurity with the truth that God is my defender on those things. What, what's your truth? What does God need to speak to you about the lie that you feel and you experience on a regular level? What do you need to pull out and replace with what God has to say to you? Three lies Satan brought to Jesus. Pride, lust, self-gratification. But you know the biggest lie that the enemy tells us? The, the biggest lie is simply this, like there is no God. God is not relevant to your life. The biggest lie is, hey, you can be good enough on your own to work your way and earn your way to heaven. Biggest lie is that God doesn't care for you, God doesn't love you, God doesn't want anything to do with you, and, and on and on it goes. But can I remind you that's the truth that the world's telling you. Let me tell you the truth of what God's word says. John 14, six, Jesus said to him, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. The truth is Jesus is the answer. The, the truth is Jesus is the only one who can actually offer you forgiveness for your sins and the hope and the freedom and transformation of life that Robbie spoke about on his story. The truth is Jesus is the only way to the Father and the only way in eternal life in heaven. The truth of the matter is Jesus is the only one that can change you and fill that void and it might, but that's the truth of God's word. The question for you this morning is simply this. Have you experienced that truth in your life? Or today, do you find yourself trying to fill that void with so many things? I love Robbie's story. All the vices of this world, all the things that numb the pain. It was the young man I spoke with last hour. I'm just trying to dull weekend to weekend and survive it. Are you ready for more than that? Have you realized in your own life, I can't do it all on my own. I, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. The new start and a new beginning trust him for that? Well, if you've never done that before, is there anything that's preventing you from doing that today? <laughs> if 
that is you, I'd love to give you the opportunity today, just as we close out our time. So if you would, just sit for a moment of silence with you and the Lord, would you just bow your heads with me this morning? And if that's you this morning saying, Pastor, that's me. I have been believing a lie of this world, and today I want to believe in the truth that Jesus loves me and Jesus wants to save me. If that's you today, I'd love just to pray with you, but would you be willing just, just to raise your hand where you are and down that I can just see and be praying for you on that this morning, even here this morning. If you're watching online this morning, if that's you, man, this is your moment. Thank you. I see that hand in the back. Thank you. Well, if that's you this morning, I just want to lead you in a prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's not the words that save you. It's just the attitude of your heart that says, God, I need to believe the truth of what you have for me. So if that's you today, just say these words to the Lord in your own way and in your own heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that I'm a sinner. God, and I realize that my sin has separated me from you. But God, I thank you that you love me enough you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross that I might have forgiveness of my sins and I might have the free gift of eternal life. So today I'm placing my trust in you alone. God, thank you for replacing the lies in my heart with the truth of your love for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, today, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, no greater decision could you make than the decision you just made. And we just, we celebrate that. We rejoice that with you. And I mentioned to you on this journey, listen, that our commitment to you as a church is that we want to journey alongside you. You're going to have to do a lot of the work, but we want to journey with you. And today, if you made that decision, I want to just invite you. We've got just a little resource, a little book we want to give you and call it The Decision. It just kind of tells you next steps, Talks to you a little bit on the book of John about who the heart of God really is for you. And so today, if you made that decision for the very first time, in the backs of your little seat, there's a little card that says, uh, life's tough, I, I, I know somebody. And if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment, filling that out, and right at the end of our service, if you head out these doors to the Welcome Center, just give them one of those cards. They would love to give you one of these books and, uh, and journey alongside you. So exciting. And people each hour make decisions. We're so grateful for that. It is the beauty and the truth. Now listen. Church, I would love to say to you this morning as we close out, hey, this is a one-time deal. Man, whatever you're struggling with, if you're a people pleaser, if you're a controller, if you, look, you just gotta make this decision one time and then the rest of your life will be great. <laughs> Those of us that walk with God, can I tell you, man, this is, this is the daily battle of becoming more like Jesus. This is a decision you're gonna make over and over. I'm gonna denounce the lies of the world. I've gotta speak the truth. Listen, the struggles I have at age 55, can I be honest, they're the same things I struggled with when I was 15. I was a people pleaser at 15, and I'm still, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And here's what we're reminded, the last part of this section in Luke chapter four, we don't say this a lot of time. Verse 13 says, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, the last part, until an opportune time. In other words, he went away today, but he was coming back tomorrow. <laughs> The temptations that you face, you're going to have victories over them last week, and it's going to pop up next week. And guess what? Next week, you're going to have a choice to say, in my wilderness, I'm going to do this. I'm going to denounce the lie and replace it with the truth. God, I am enough because you said I'm enough. God, I have victory over this addiction because you promised me that I would have victory. And when we do this time and time again, 
our faith grows, the foundation on what we live our life is enhanced and growing, and God gets the victory. So I wanna encourage you, when temptations come, they're gonna come the same three ways they came from the beginning of time. Call it, denounce it, pull out the lie, replace it with the truth, and so when the rains come and the earth shakes, your foundation is firm. Let's stand and let's sing that truth together this morning. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.